Now, of course, today, as has already been mentioned, it is Mother's Day. And um, um, we thank God for our mothers, probably most of our mothers who are gathered here today. Most of the people who are gathered here today, our mothers have passed on and we have lovely memories. But thank God for the, the mothers who are still with us because a lot depends on mothers, doesn't it? If you're a mother yourself, you'll know that, uh, you know that you're the hub of the family, you know, and everything sort of revolves around you in many ways. And, uh, and when, the, when the lady of the house is sick or out of action for, for any reason, then, uh, you know, things just fall apart. Well, they do in our house anyway, I know that. <laughs> you know, I don't like being left to things, you know, organise this and organise that and, you know, see to the washing machine and whatever else is. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we are, you know, we, you know, I do thank God for the, for the strength of women, you know, you know, do so much and uh, sometimes very unselfishly. But um, when I was uh, when I was asked to um, to speak this morning, no, I was due to speak next week, but because of Mark's extra commitments this week with funerals, um, I said that I would, uh, you know, that I would step in and that we would swap over. And uh, I thought, well, it, it 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 is Mother's Day, and uh, you know, I should really, you know, sort of look for something in the scriptures that you know that talks about women. And so I, uh, I decided to, uh, to bring a message to you this morning from the book of Ruth. So we're going into the Old Testament. And if you'd like to turn with me, please, to the book of Ruth. Um, going to read uh, chapter 1. Just read, on, read until uh, verse 18, verses 1 to 18. And I'm reading this morning from the, uh, the New King James Version, which if you have the NIV, I know some of you who are following me on an electronic device, you can tune into any version you wish. Um, but um, this is the New King James Version. Ruth chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Marlon and Chilion. Epaphrites of Bethlehem. Judah, and they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. <coughs> then both Marlon and Chilion also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. 
And she arose with her daughters-in-law that they might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country in she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore she went out from the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, Surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieved me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you, or to turn back from following after you. Forever you go, for wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so unto me and more, if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. We need to know a little bit about the the background uh, of the uh, of the book of Ruth. Um, at the particular time that the the book was written, or these events took place that we have just read about, there was a great national peril. And we find in this particular book, in the book of Ruth, that there is valuable teaching about the dealings and the sovereignty of God. If you read uh, the genealogies in the New Testament, and particularly in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 1, it tells us that Boaz, now, we, now if I, I do intend to continue through the book of Ruth at some stage, um, you'll find that, um, that Ruth marries Boaz. And it says that Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. So Ruth is included in the genealogy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, for anybody who knows anything about the Bible, you'll realize that uh, the genealogy of the scriptures, it, us it usually just includes the names of men. But occasionally, if there's a special reason, we find that there is a woman's name mentioned as well. 
And so Ruth was special. Now her name is mentioned because among the direct antecedents of Christ, Ruth is given prominence, not because of her achievements, but who she was related to. And that is important. And friends, our real greatness in this world arises not so much for what we do or what we achieve, but whether or not we are linked to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is the one who gives us status. He is the one who gives us status above the greatest of earth's categories. In, in Romans 8 and verse 17, it tells us that we are heirs of God. If we know the Lord Jesus Christ as our own personal saviour, the Bible tells us that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And so that should make you feel good this morning. If you came to church feeling a little bit down because you, you know, you haven't had a particularly good week, then just think of who you are in Christ. You are an heir of God and you are a joint heir with Christ. And this is where real significance lies. You see, we may not receive any worldly status, but the recognition, recognition of who we are, we sing sometimes that song, which, which I really do love the words, when, when we sing those lovely words, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I am a child of God. And if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal saviour this morning, then you are a child of God. And so we can hold our heads up high, not because of who we are or what we've done, but who we are in Christ. Jesus said, whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. Now, to understand some of the historical setting of the, uh, of the book of Ruth, we find here that Ruth arrived on the scene at a period when the judges ruled Israel and they occupied the land for some time. And the peace and prosperity which had been theirs, it disappeared. It disappeared after the death of Joshua. Why? Because the people returned to their evil and their disobedience. And when you study the scripture, you discover that when God's people, Israel, when they walked in the ways of God, when they obeyed the commands of God, that they prospered. They experienced the blessing of God. They experienced the peace of God. They experienced the victory of God. But on the other hand, when they turned away from his commands, when they turned away from God's ways, and when they walked in their own ways, and when they served other gods, then they suffered the consequences. 
and the consequences were conflict, defeat, and also famine. You see, in Psalm 33, in verse 12, it tells us this. It says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And then in Proverbs 14, verse 34, it tells us that righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. Why is our country in the mess that it's in today. Why? One of the main reasons is because it has disregarded the word of God. How often do we hear any of our politicians mention the word of God? How often do we hear any of our politicians quote the scriptures? Virtually never. And we wonder why things are in the mess that they are. You see, at this particular time, the condition of Israel at the time of Ruth is described in Judges 17 and verse 6 that everyone did what was right in his own eyes. You see, the thing about it is it's better to, to follow the instructions that God has given us. And in his word... Is contained the way that we should live. And although the, the Ten Commandments were given to Moses for the children of Israel at that particular time, they're also applicable to you and I. And so we don't disregard the Ten Commandments. It's important. And so we need, if our lives are going to be successful and if we're going to live fulfilled lives then we need to follow the instructions because if we don't follow the instructions we're going to end up in some kind of mess now i used to do quite a lot of schools assembly work and one of my one of my favorite presentations when i went into the school was to um was in fact the the presentation was called uh, following, following the Instructions. Now, when you get a, a new appliance, whether it be a washing machine or a fridge or, or wh whatever it is, then you, you usually, usually get a set of instructions. The Maker's Instructions. In the Scriptures, we have the Creator's Instructions. He has created us. He has created the world. So his instructions for the maintenance of ourselves and the maintenance of our lives is the word of God. Follow the instructions. The illustration that I used to use was about a little boy. And the little boy was on holiday. And you know, the children get bored, don't they, when they're on holiday from school? How many times have you heard, oh, I'm bored. I'm bored. <laughs> I've heard that so many times. I'm bored. And so his mum says, okay, if you're bored, uh, why don't we just make some cakes then? And she said, but what you must do, you must remember. And she gave him the, uh, the cookery book and she said, follow the instructions. And so there was the little boy with his book 
with these with the uh, with, with with the cookery book with all the ingredients that he had to use and he started off well with the flour and the eggs and everything else and then his mom said to him look i'm going to have to um i, I i'm going to have to go out for a little while I, I i won't be long i'll be out for a few minutes that's all and then i'll be back he says but if you like you can carry on but remember to follow the instructions anyway while he while she was away he got a little bit fed up of following the instructions and he said i think i'll do this my way i think i'll do something a little bit different and so what does he do he goes into the food cupboard and he has a look now what do i like ah and he sees there uh, a bottle of tomato sauce and so he thinks well that would taste nice if i put that in the cakes and so he tips the bottle of tomato sauce into the you know into the mixing bowl with all the rest of the ingredients and he mix and he mixes it up what else can I put in to make these cakes interesting, he thought to himself. I know, there's a tin of peas there. I'll put those in. And so he empties the tin of peas in and mix it, mixes it with the rest of the ingredients. And of course, his mum comes back and she says, what have you done? Oh, well, I got fed up of following the instructions, he said. And she says, and because of that, you've ended up with a mess. I'm sure you can see the meaning behind that. And of course, we used to slop it around in the school. And, you know, I used to have some fun with the kids. But, uh, but the message was there. Follow the instructions. You see, we need to understand that this particular situation had arisen because of disobedience to God. That was why we see the situation as it was with a famine in the land but not a, but it wasn't just a a famine of food it was also it was also a dearth of uh, of spirituality and when men and women persist in their own ways there are, there is always a price to pay whether it be nations individuals <clears throat> It doesn't matter the results can be barrenness and dryness and of course what happens is we can continue going through the motions you know we can come to church we can even read our bible and maybe do a little bit of praying but inside there is a barrenness and there's that dryness and to all intents and purposes, people on the outside wouldn't know. But God knows. He knows that we're a little bit out of touch. You know, we're not quite there. We haven't quite got that desire for the things of God. Although we're still going through the motions. And what we need to do when that situation arises in our lives... Maybe I'm describing somebody's life here this morning. We need to look within because there's always a reason for spiritual dryness. And you know, it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen overnight. You know, one day you're okay and then next day you're down. It's usually a process. It happens 
on a gradual basis. Sometimes it can be uh, our poor physical condition that affects our spiritual lives. But often the reason is something that has gone wrong spiritually. And we need to ask ourselves, is there any disobedience in my life? Am I doing what the Bible tells me to do? Am I living according to the scriptures? Am I following the teaching of Jesus? Because that's what it's all about, isn't it? That's what the Christian life is all about, following Jesus. And that means to follow his teaching, to follow the teaching of Jesus and to carry out his word and to be obedient. What did Jesus say? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me. And so that's the motivation to keep his command. If we love him, if we really love the Lord, then we will keep his commandments. You see, unless we live in obedience to Christ and his commands, then we settle for less than the best that God wants us to experience. It's called mediocrity. But God wants the best for his children. And if we're not living a Christian life in all its fullness, then the fault is not God's, but ours. Somebody said that if you feel a long way away from God, if you feel far from God, then guess who moved? Of course, you know the, the answer to that. You see, there's a danger of leaning to our own understanding. There's a verse in Proverbs that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. So where is your trust this morning? Are you trusting in your own understanding of life? Or are you trusting in the Lord? You see, if we if we look at this these particular verses in the book of Ruth, in, in verse in verse one, we find that Israel was ravaged by famine. And this man called Elimelech and his family, they make a decision to emigrate to Moab. Was it the right decision? Well, you see, the, the Moabites, you see, if you read earlier on in the scripture, the Moabites were a result of an incestuous relationship between Lot and his, and his daughter. And they appeared to be a bad bunch, always opposing Israel. And on one occasion, they refused the Israelites' bread and water and hired Balaam to curse them. And in fact, because of this, God forbade the Moabites to come into his presence. I want to read a few verses to you from Deuteronomy 23, verses 3 to 6. And this is what it says. It says, an, an, an Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the tenth generation. None of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord forever because they did not meet you with bread and water on the road when you came out of Egypt, and because they hired, against, they hired against you Balaam, the son of Beor, from Pethor of Mesopotamia, to curse you. Nevertheless, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you, because the Lord your God loves you. 
So this decision that Elimelech made to move his family to Moab, to Moab, it seems that it could have been a good choice. Well, if there's a famine in the land, and if my family haven't got enough food to eat, then surely it's a good thing to go and, fight, go and live somewhere where there is plenty to eat. It might have appeared to be a good choice economically and logically. But the batch, it was a bad choice spiritually. Why? Because it went directly against God's commandments. <laughs> and when we consider the positive things that came out of the move, it might seem like the right move. But even when we see God coming out, even when we see good coming out of bad, we must, must never automatically assume that it was God's will. You see, God works through the bad to make all things contribute to his glory. So he can turn a bad situation. You see, we might have made the mess, but God can get us out of the mess. Why? Because he loves us so much. And he, he has our best interests at heart. You see, our guidelines are in the Word of God. And the choices and decisions that we make must be based on Scripture and divine guidance. The psalmist said, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Do we take our instructions from the Word of God? When we're in trouble, do we go to the word of God and say, Lord, show me what you want me to know. Lord, I need a word from you right now. Or do we try and work it out? Do we go our own way? When we do that, we live dangerously. When we allow our own understanding to determine our actions and our directions, instead of following the clear directions of God's word. You see, although Elimelech's, although Elimelech's decision to come and provide for the family must be applauded, there can be little doubt that moving to Moab for that family was against the will of God. Everything went well at first, improved living conditions. <laughs> But then things changed. And things can change for you and me sometimes. Things might be going well. Everything's fine. We've got enough to eat. We've got somewhere to live. We've got a car outside if we want to go anywhere. But things change. And things change for Elimelech. Things change for the family. It says in verse 2 that they remained there. They remained there. They were there for, for 10 years. Now, I, I don't know how long, it doesn't tell us how long the famine lasted in Judah, but it says that they settled. It, the, the implications are that they settled in Moab. And we find here that Elimelech gets ill and he dies. So tragedy strikes. And we find that Naomi, his wife, 
now faces the bereavement, the devastation of bereavement. Her husband has passed away. And then we find that that's not the end of it. Because then we find that her two sons, Marlon and Chilion, that they also die as well. Now these two these two sons of Naomi, they, they had all they had, by this time they had they had taken wives, they had taken Moabite wives. And they die, and and so she has to bear the pain of further tragedy. You see, sometimes we think a change in circumstances will be the answer to all our problems, don't we? A change in circumstance, if only. If only I could move somewhere else. If only I could get that new job. If only. All our difficulties will be over. But that's not always the case. You see, we owe it to God to bring him into our decision making. Otherwise, if we make decisions based on our own understanding, then we could easily lose out. Now, as I read this passage of scripture, and on this particular Mother's Day, I think myself that Naomi must have been a good mother, because it seems that she was also a good mother-in-law. Now, I know there's lots of mother-in-law jokes, but don't worry, I'm not going to tell you any other ones that are on But but Naomi was a good mother-in-law because we find that after she had recovered from the shock of losing her husband and two sons in Moab, she hears that, uh, that Israel has now become a flourishing land. And in verse 6 it says, She arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. So, you know, she, the, the news had reached Naomi that uh, things were a lot better than when she left Israel. And so she, was, she wanted to go back. In verse 7 it says, Therefore she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. So she makes up her mind to go back to her own people. And when she announces her intentions to her daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, they decide to accompany her on her journey home. And as they make their way out of Moab, Naomi feels it necessary to point out to these young women, they must have been relatively young, I would imagine, that there would be limited opportunities for remarriage if they, if they went back with her to her own land. And in verse 8, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return to each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest in each of the house, in each rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. So we find here that Naomi, she encourages them to return to their own land. 
So she was a good mother-in-law because she only wanted what was best for her daughters-in-law. She wasn't thinking about herself. It was quite an unselfish motive. She wanted what was best for those two daughters-in-law, um, Ruth and Orpah. Naomi seems saddened and overwhelmed by all that has happened. And it says there that she thought that the Lord or the hand of the Lord was against her. You see, in, Naomi, in Naomi's heart, there was, there seemed to be a feeling of self-recrimination and self-contempt. She was maybe almost blaming herself. <laughs> she was almost blaming herself for what had happened. Maybe if I had have acted differently, maybe if I, if I hadn't have gone to Moab, these things wouldn't have happened. And all these feelings of guilt were, were, were coming into Naomi's mind. Self-pity, self-contempt, usually signs that one has not received divine forgiveness. Blaming herself the way things had turned out. And there are times when we hang on to disappointments, we hang on to the past. Disappointments, failures, mistakes, and we live with false guilt. And sometimes we blame ourselves for the way things have turned out. You see, obviously we, we haven't got time this morning to go into any further, really, into the book of Ruth. But then we find that Naomi does come to the place, bearing in mind that she, you know, she understood how she could go to the God of Israel, the one who she trusted in. How, although she felt that she'd been badly treated, she could go to the God of Israel, the one who is willing to forgive and the one who is willing to restore, even though Things have turned out bad. We know that there is still hope. There is still hope in God, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what has happened to us in the past. God can still take those situations and turn them to good so that he might be glorified in our lives. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you this morning. We want to thank you for your goodness to us. We want to thank you that you have given us instructions in your word as to how we can live a fulfilled life and how we can know the best that you have for us. Help each one of us this morning to follow your ways. Help us, Lord, to follow your teaching so that we might know what is your will for our individual lives. Forgive us for the times when we have turned to our own way. Forgive us for the times when we try to work out the situation ourselves. But help us, Lord, to always remember that you are there to guide us and to lead us and to bring us through any situation. These prayers we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.